0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. You know, as I begin to prepare for this Good Friday, this is our very first in-person Good Friday. And we've done online stuff, but isn't this great? Come on, we've got a full house today, overflow room as well. It just makes my heart so happy to know that we're gonna gather together on a stat holiday when we be out enjoying the beautiful weather to come and remember and to consider what Jesus has done for us. The moment I begin to pray for this this uh, message, the Lord spoke pretty clearly to my heart. And I wanna share something with you this morning that maybe, um, maybe you've never heard before. Many of you, if you... Uh, maybe you don't spend a lot of time uh, studying the scriptures in a way that would take you into a place What I'm gonna talk about today. You, you've heard the story of Christ and you've heard what Jesus has done. And we'll talk about that today, but I wanna give you a theological perspective that I hope will give you a fresh perspective on what Jesus Christ has done for you. Now we understand today that it's, it's Good Friday. And today is a day, it's good. Everyone say, it's good although this is somewhat of a, a funeral on some sort. My daughter came to me last night. It's just beautiful. I don't mean to put you on the spot, sweetheart, but she just wrote some things down and she came to me and said, dad, I just realized that this is like a funeral for Jesus, but it's not over yet. She said, dad, I'm just having this moment. She's having this moment realizing that he is dead, but he comes back to life. And on Sunday, we're going to celebrate that. Our Several of our friends in here this morning are going to get water baptized. Essence who gave her heart to the Lord in the last several weeks. And Dierman in the last couple of months is here today. Dierman, where are you, brother? Oh, there he is. I don't mean to embarrass you, dude. It's OK. <laughs> my, my friend here gave his life to Christ, and he's going to get water baptized on Sunday. Essence gave her life to Christ. She's going to get water baptized on Sunday. Our friend Aaron's going to get water baptized. And if you're here today, and you say, you know what, I've never been water baptized. Come on Sunday, it is gonna be a party in the house of God and we're gonna have a blast and we're gonna water baptize folks and it's gonna be great. But what I wanna give you the big idea today on Good Friday is that, uh, is that uh, this theological perspective is that Jesus is our high priest. And I, Jesus is our high priest and he gave a sacrifice himself Once and for all, say once and for all, all. to satisfy and to appease the wrath of God. Oh, you don't have to repeat. I should have been more clear. I'm sorry. I paused for dramatic effect. You're like, oh shoot, should I keep going? That was funny. People online have no clue what's happening. So here we are today in the timeline of our story of of where Jesus is at. It's last night, Jesus had just had the Passover meal with his disciples. And it was at the table where he identified that one of his disciples would would betray him, Judas. And after this, this, Judas left the room and they went out to the garden of Gethsemane. And as they were there, Jesus prayed for strength to be able to endure what he was about to face. And his disciples were there, but they were falling asleep and they didn't quite understand what was going on. And after this, Judas came with a battalion of soldiers to arrest Jesus for false accusations that he had been blasphemous and deserved to die and Jesus at this time, early in the morning on Friday morning, was now on trial, and it was a false trial. They had hired false testimony to testify against Jesus in order to catch him in any wrong that they might think that he had done, and he was facing condemnation from from others, and he was being mocked and, and beat and abandoned by those that were closest to him, and he endured several un, unlawful testimonies and lies about who he was, and He was in a false trial, and once they decided to send him to crucifixion, they began to send him to something called scourging, where he was dressed up as the king, and they put a robe on his back, and a a crown of thorns, uh, uh, about uh, five or six inches of thorns pressed into his head, and they began to whip him, it's called 39 minus one, because 40 lashes with these cat of nine tails, with bone and and glass and wood, would strip the skin off of your back, exposing your muscles and your bones. And so they removed one of the lashes to show mercy because most people would die after 40 lashes. 39 lashes Jesus experienced and was experiencing tremendous uh, pain. And he was whipped and and then they would beat him again with reeds and they would, uh, they would take the life out of him and beat him and, and, and punch him. And the crown of thorns was put on his head. And then Jesus would carry a, a cross that was untreated wood, a one beam across his wounds upon his back. They would carry this untreated cross that would drive into the, the deep, the depths of his wounds, this hundred pounds carrying it to the place they call the skull, the place called Golgotha. And around 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Jesus, this human, this frail human, this weak human was tortured and beaten and bloody and was upon the cross. And he was nailed to the cross. He was nailed on that, on that cross. And in that moment, Jesus gave up his last breath by shouting, it is finished. So we look at that story and we look at the details and we look at the reality of what Jesus went through and we're impacted by the physical reality of what we saw Jesus experienced. What I wanted to do today is I wanted to help you understand what was going on behind the scenes in the supernatural realm. I wanted you to see something theological that was happening that will help you understand on a deeper level, what was truly happening behind the scenes that even though physically he was being crucified, something was happening in the supernatural realm. Something was happening in the unseen realm. Something was happening that changed humanity forever. I want to read a scripture for you here this morning. And it's in Hebrews chapter two. And so if if Hebrews can be a confusing book, but if if you find it confusing, don't worry, I'll explain it for you. But it says this in Hebrews chapter two, verse 10. It was right and proper that God who made everything for his own glory should allow Jesus to suffer. For in doing this, he was bringing vast multitudes of God's people to heaven. For his suffering made Jesus a perfect leader, one fit to bring them into their salvation. And we who have been made holy by Jesus now have the same father he has. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. And since we, God's children, are human beings made of flesh and blood, he became flesh and blood by being born in human form for only as a human being could he die. And in dying, break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in that way could he deliver those who through fear of death have been living all their lives as slaves to the constant dread that one day we all will perish and die. And we all know he did not come as an angel, but as a human being, yes, as a Jew. And it was necessary for Jesus to be like us, his brothers, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. A priest who would be both merciful to us and faithful to God in dealing with his sin, in dealing with the sins of his people. For since he himself has now been through suffering and temptation, he knows what it's like when we suffer and when we are tempted and he is wonderfully able to help us in our time of need. Notice what the author calls Jesus in the scripture. He calls him a merciful and faithful high priest. It's very important for you to understand. And this theological understanding of what this means for you has incredible implications for you to understand what Jesus actually did when he was crucified on the cross. He's our merciful and he's our our high priest. See, the high priest had to be a human And in the Old Testament, year after year after year, a high priest would try his very best to be sinless and to try to keep as much sin out of his life, but it didn't change the reality that he was human, he was carnal, and he had sin in his life. And this high priest, year after year after year, would bring a sacrifice to the temple to try to atone for the sins of the people. But here is the problem. This high priest was sinful. This high priest had sin in his life. This high priest was not perfect. This high priest was unable to offer a perfect sacrifice. And so therefore, God, Jesus had to be human in order to walk on the earth, to play the role of the high priest in order for him to be able to offer the perfect sacrifice that would ultimately take away our sin. Then and only then could our sins be truly taken away. See, in all aspects, Jesus is just like us. This is very important for us to understand that the, the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is a reminder to us that Jesus was not born a high priest. He was born as, as, a, as a little baby, helpless boy. He had to grow and learn and change over time. He had to learn what it was like to be obedient. He had to learn what it was like to obey the Father. And as time went on, he began to learn what it was like to be a human and to suffer like you and I suffer. He suffered not just physically, but he suffered emotionally. He suffered with depression. He suffered with sadness. He suffered with disconnection from God. There were times when Jesus in his humanity felt a disconnect from God, his Father, just Like you and I do. See, Jesus experienced everything that you've experienced in your life. And it's very important for you to hear this today because on this day of Good Friday, He isn't just God, He's also human. He experiences your loneliness. He, he experienced your disconnect when you feel far from God. And he experienced depression. And guess what? He's human. He experienced temptation like any other man or woman. The same desires and the same needs that, that we have, Jesus had, yet he learned to overcome those temptations. Over time, he learned, not just because he was God, he was human. And in humanity, it's important for you to understand this, that when we see Jesus on the cross as a great high priest, we see a man who endured the same things you endured, yet he remained perfect. He understands where you've been. He understands what you're facing. He understands what it's like, mom, when you're at home and you feel lonely and overwhelmed with all the children in your house and while your husband's outside doing the easy job, right? He knows what it's like when you feel disconnected and lost and broken. Husbands, he knows what it's like, or men, he knows what it's like when you go to work and you give your life to it and you work and work and work it, you come home and you feel purposeless and you say, gosh, is there more to life than this? Jesus actually understood those emotions. Why? He was human. You see that he experienced all the same things that you and I experienced. But Jesus, though God from eternity became a man in order to suffer death, and to serve in this high priest because the high priest was required to understand the needs of the people. Why? So he could have compassion on them. The high priest of the Old Testament, it was important for him to understand what are the needs of the people and what are my depravity and what are my challenges so that he could pray and intercede on behalf of the people that their sins will be forgiven. Our great high priest understands where you've been and what you've faced and he has compassion on your frailty and he has compassion on your hardship and he has compassion on the things that you faced in your life. He can personally relate to you. Look at the scripture in Hebrews chapter two. We just read it. For since he himself has now been through suffering like you and me and temptation like you and me, he knows what it is like when we suffer. He knows what it's like when we're tempted and he is wonderfully able to to help us, the cross of Jesus Christ today as our high priest reminds us that he had to be a human and he had, in order to be a high priest who could settle the score against sin and death against us, he had to be human. He had to face everything you and I face. So when he was crucified on the cross, he could say, he'd say, creation, sons and daughters, I get it. When you pray to me, I understand it. I know exactly what you're feeling and I've been crucified on the cross so that I can wonderfully help you in your time of need. But this high priest also was the only one who could offer sacrifices for the sins of people. Now you need to follow me here today. The high priest in the Old Testament was the only one of all of, of the individuals there selected among other men. Uh, was was deemed as the high priest was the only one who could go into the most holy place and offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. And every single year on the Day of Atonement, it happened every year. The high priest would go into the temple of God and would offer sacrifices in the most holy place in order that. The the sins of the people of Israel would be appeased and forgiven, but it would only happen for one year. This would have to happen year after year after year. The high priest would have to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people in hopes that God would pull back his wrath upon a sinful people who were sinful, who were broken. And it was the sacrifice of these animals that would appease the anger and the wrath of a holy God against his people. For one year and one year alone, every single year, they would have to come back. Why? Because the high priest, though he could go in the most holy, place. And even though he could offer that sacrifice, was just a human. We learned something very interesting about this idea of the day of atonement. This day of atonement was very, the, I want to help you understand the process of what would happen on this day. On the Day of Atonement, they would bring in a bowl for a sacrifice. And what the high priest would do is he would he would uh, sacrifice this bull on behalf of his own sins, that God would see the blood of the sacrifice and look past the sins of the priest and only see a blood sacrifice that would cover his sins. And after he offered this bowl, they would bring in two goats. And each goat had a purpose. And they would draw straws or they would take a lot to see which goat would be chosen. And they would take the very first, uh, the very first goat and they would, the, the, the priest would lay his hands on the goat and he would begin to intercede. This high priest would intercede on behalf of the people. Oh God, let the sins of the people not keep away your forgiveness and your love. He would lay his hands on the head of this goat and he would begin to intercede on behalf of the people. And what he was doing was he was doing a transfer of sin from the sins of the people onto the onto the goat. This goat would now have the sins of the people upon his back and they would slaughter this lamb and the, la- uh, the slaughter of this goat and the, la- the blood of this goat would be sprinkled among, ab- among all throughout the temple and all throughout the place. And this was a picture of what Jesus did for you and me. He was sacrificed and crucified and murdered so that you and I would have our sins forgiven. But here's the difference. They had to do this every year. This was done once and for all. It didn't have to happen year after year after year. And this is important. Listen, the high priest was the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies, the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the presence of God was. Now listen, very important, you understand that, because when Jesus was crucified on the cross, he did not take the, the blood of a goat or a bull in, or a bull into a, a human, a human uh, 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 sanctuary or a human temple? No. Jesus went into the holy of holies in heaven and sprinkled his own blood to cover the sins of multitudes. Look what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter nine. He came as a high priest of this better system that we now have He went into that greater perfect tabernacle in heaven, not made by men nor part of this world, and once and for all took blood into that inner room, the Holy of Holies, and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat. But it was not the blood of goats and calves, and it wasn't a a temple built by human hands. No, he took his own blood and with it by himself, made sure that every single person on the planet who received Jesus Christ into their life will have eternal salvation. See, what happened on the cross isn't just Jesus dying physically. No, in the spiritual realm, Jesus went into the Holy of Holies in heaven and sprinkled his own blood upon the mercy seat of God. And now when God looks upon his people, he does not see the sins of his people. He sees the forgiveness and the blood of Jesus Christ. But there was a second bowl. And the second bowl was brought in. And the first one was one that was offered up to God. It was a sin sacrifice. It was... Jesus being crucified, it was a bloodshed on behalf of the people's sins. But a second bull, they would place their hand on the second bull. And the same thing, the priest would begin to intercede. And I hope you're seeing the picture here today that this high priest interceding up upon laying his hands upon the bull's head is what Jesus does for us. He intercedes on our behalf. He's placing his hand upon the goat's head and he begins to intercede once again. Oh God, would you take the sins of the people and would you put it upon this sacrifice? Would you take this, this, this goat and would you put it upon this goat? And when something very interesting happened with this goat. They did not kill this goat. In fact, something different happened. What they would do is they would lay their hand on the goat and they would tie a scarlet or crimson red rope around its, around its horn. And would place its hand on it and they would begin to pray and intercede on its behalf that God would cause all the sins of Israel to be upon it. And they would tie this crimson red rope around its thorn around its horn, and they would take it out inside the camp, and they would release it into the wilderness and it would wander into the wilderness. Very fascinating, the Hebrew word used in this verse is the word Azazel. and the word Azazel actually speaks about a rocky, hard place. And in this demographic area, there was believed to have been a demonic environment. It was a demonic force. It represented the idea of the pan-god, which is a very demonic symbol of a goat with horns. With uh, You'll see it uh, on the internet or other places. A demonic symbol representing the idea that this was the domain of of demons. And this goat was released. Imagine the picture, this goat, it was brought in and the sins of the people were placed upon its back. And a crimson rope was wrapped around its horns and it was sent into the wilderness, into the place they considered the, 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 the domain of demons to go to that place. What does this picture saying to us? That Jesus, when he went upon the cross and they placed a crimson crown of thorns upon his head, he didn't just go into heaven. He also went to hell to take back the keys of hell and death away from the devil. Look at the scripture in Hebrews chapter four. For only as a human being could he die and die breaking the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in that way could he deliver those who through fear of death have been living all their lives as slaves to constant dread of death. Jesus is this second go. Jesus didn't just wipe away your sin. Jesus didn't just be sacrificed for your benefit. Jesus also went and battled. He was released into the domain of demons, into the place of hell. And in scripture says, he took back the the keys of hell and he took back the keys of death and he took back the keys of sin and he destroyed it once and for all so that you can have access to eternity with Jesus Christ. What the scripture says here, now he has made all of this plain to us, by the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who broke the power of death and showed us at the way of everlasting life through trusting in him. Revelations chapter 1-8. And the living one, I died, Jesus said, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. What this means is this, that not only was the sacrifice made for your sin once and for all, this is the big problem with many followers of Jesus and many people who don't know the Lord is they forget that it was once and for all the sins that you've committed the bad things you've done in the past that still hang with you the guilt that you carry the shame that you have even if it was last night you say oh no way could God no he did it once and for all you say Ryan but I sinned I fell short well that's why he died It was once and for all that you and I can now live a life with no condemnation, that you and I can live a life with no guilt, that you and I can live a life with no shame, that you and I can live a life now free from from the power of sin in our life. You and I can live free in that, why? Because Jesus was that first go, because Jesus is our high priest. And not only that, when you die one day, and you will die, you will spend an eternity with Jesus Christ because he has the keys of death and Hades. And when this Jesus finally fulfilled his priestly duty, standing up upon the cross, he died of asphyxiation. What happened was, is he was crucified sideways and so he couldn't breathe and he was trying to lift himself. And there was, he was so dehydrated and he was so beaten and wounded that he would pull himself up to try to breathe. And ultimately, many theologians believe that Jesus died by his physical heart exploding. Just before God's heart exploded for you and for me, he shouted at the top of his lungs, it is finished! Your shit is done! When you die, you don't have to be afraid of death any longer! And when you die, you will be in paradise with Christ Jesus. It is finished. Condemnation is finished. Shame is finished. Guilt is finished. Sin, though hard, it's finished. The power of sin in your life is broken. The fear of death has been shattered and you will spend an eternity with Christ forever. And in that moment, the new covenant of Jesus Christ was declared. And that first goat, he died for you and for me. He took it upon himself and his blood was shed that our sins might be washed away. That second goat representing Christ went into, the, the, went into hell and took back what belonged to him. And now you and I can live in eternity forever. It is done. It is over. Jesus is the final high priest and paid the last and only sacrifice to wash away all of your sin. What we do is we live in a law code system. You and I often if we're followers of Jesus slip back into works. We slip back into I got to do good for God to love me. I got to do better. I better go to church or God won't love me. I better do this or you begin when we live in this place of condemnation We begin to live in a state of works. We live in a state of do-goodism. We live in a state of religion. That is the purpose of the cross, that you no longer have to live a religious life. You no longer are covered by your sin. You have been forgiven. You've been set free. so Jesus came, and he calls this the new covenant, which you and I are under if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and, and confessed him as God and made him the Lord of your life and repented of your sin and turned to him and water baptized and you're serving the Lord. He says, listen, this is for you, but there are many who don't know that and many have not given their life to Christ and haven't surrendered their heart to God. And I want you to know today, you say, Ryan, how do I do that? The Bible says it's simply by faith that Jesus Christ truly was crucified and rose on the third day, that he is the son of God and that he will come back for his people and that we will live in an eternity with Christ forever. All you have to do is say yes to him. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? We're gonna take communion together. You can go ahead and get your cups out for a moment. Come on, why don't we just, I wanna read a scripture and then Lift the bread together. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table and Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you that now I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And he took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it in pieces and he gave it to the disciples, you and me, saying, do this to remember me, which we're doing today. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with the blood of Jesus Christ, the high priest was our great mediator. It was poured out as a sacrifice for you and for me. And we are now truly and wonderfully forgiven. Would you lift the bread with me this morning? Father, we just want to say thank you for your body. We take the 60 minutes today to remember and say, Jesus, thank you for choosing to die for us. Thank you for experiencing humanity and yet showing us how to live a a life after you. Thank you, Jesus, for being wounded and battered and bruised and whipped and crucified. Thank you, Jesus, for the, blood, the body of Jesus Christ. And we thank you today that by your stripes, we are healed. We just take this today in remembrance of you. Come on, let's take that bread together this morning. Come on, would you lift the cup this morning? Come on, just lift it. Let me pray. Father, we want to say thank you for your blood. Thank you, Lord, that every sin that's been committed is under the blood of Jesus Christ. If we simply ask you to forgive us of our sin, it's washed away. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your blood, this new covenant. Thank you for giving us access to eternity. Thank you for taking back the, the, the keys of sin and death. Thank you, Father sending your son to die for us and that you have truly forgiven us of our sins. In Jesus' name, let's take this cup together. Come on, you can put your cups down for a moment. We're just gonna end today by just singing this song one more time. I wanna encourage you right now just to place your hands in the air. We encourage everyone to do this after we take communion. Here's why. Because it's our way of saying, all right, Lord, we're putting our hands in the air once again to say, I surrender to you in my life. Come on, every hand lifted in this place. We'll just sing this song again. Come on.